Welcome to the Arts vs. the Virus, a limited series podcast where we interview members of the arts world to find out how the coronavirus pandemic and associated lockdowns have affected them and their work. The podcast is presented by magician Ash Price and produced by Teresa Dua through Noisy Ghost Entertainment. Hello and welcome to this next episode. Today we are talking to Emma Lynn Harley, who is a theatre maker. Emma, hello. Hi. I'm all right. I've been doing lots of walks and staying busy where I can. Thanks. Excellent. Um, it's now kind of weather changing a little bit because we're we're now into March, so it's uh it's nice to be able to I guess are you able to get out a bit more? Yeah, definitely. Um it's really nice having longer nights as well and um just actually being able to go out and not wear a jacket is lovely and i know this is fake summer that we're in right now <laughs> but <laughs> i'm enjoying it yeah we we have a, a couple more months until we get our two days of actual summer yeah uh, so we will get there eventually uh so could you kind of start off by telling us just a little bit about yourself and what it is you do within the arts world um a little bit about myself I am a theatre maker broadly. Um, amongst that umbrella of theatre maker, I perform, direct, I have written in the past as well, and devise um, basically anything that uh, I have the skill set for. Um, I've done a lot of stage management as well, um, lots of bits and bobs that have allowed me to kind of stay working um, in theatre as much as possible. Okay, um, so yeah. so let's kind of go back uh, to almost exactly as we record this a year ago, because we are now, we are now coming up to the the actual official we're going into lockdown announcement in just a few days' time. Uh, before this happened, back in March twenty twenty, uh, what were your plans like? What was your diary like going forward? Were there things you were looking forward to in August or September? What was what was your oh. schedule like? so much my schedule was so busy like my diary was full pretty much for the whole year which was exciting that had never happened to me before and um, I just moved to Glasgow at that point as well I'd um, moved to Glasgow in November and then stayed basically until March until lockdown happened I ended up moving back home um, but um, I had just as kind of the theatres closed, entered into a devising week for my project Text Me When You Get Home, which is a gig theatre show about the hypervigilance of women and feminine presenting people on nights out with my um, company Siren, which is it still managed to kind of go ahead um, over the course of this year, but on a much slower scale than we'd anticipated. Um, so we were supposed to have a whole week. What we actually got was a one day. <laughs> um, and halfway through that day, we got the news that the theatres were closing. We were rehearsing at the Tron in Glasgow. And um, our producer, Steph, came in and said, yeah, the, the Tron's not opening again tomorrow. So uh, that kind of put a hold on things. Um, in April, I was supposed to be performing in the Glasgow International Art Festival as well with um, a project. It was like a kind of in a immersive performance art piece um, in Glasgow. That was really exciting. I was gonna be working with some 
uh, really cool people. And yeah, just getting back into the kind of performance art world, which I hadn't really done since uni. And um, I usually work on um, Bard in the Botanics, which is an outdoor Shakespeare festival through in Glasgow. So I usually stage manage that. Um, so I knew that I was going to be working on that in some capacity. So that would have been two months over summer. And then the plan with Text Me When You Get Home was to mount it into a production in September time and then go about with that. So pretty much um, that was me for the rest of the year. And then Christmas is always busy as well. And um, so it was a bit, it was a, it was a lot getting all of that kind of through cancelled um, in the space of a couple of days. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite a lot just kind of shut up. And I, I, I think no one really had any idea, I think, how long things were going to be staying closed. Um, did, did you think things would go on as long as they did? And do you think we'll, no. maybe, yeah? No, not at all. Um, I knew that it was probably not going to be for two weeks because we had seen around the world, um, like Italy, for example, and China, they'd been dealing with the virus for months before us. And then suddenly it was like, oh, it's going to be over in two weeks. Like, no, it's not going to be over in two weeks. Um, but I didn't expect it to be a whole year. Yeah. And counting. Yeah, there's there's one of the things that's kind of come up a few times during these interviews has been kind of everything circling around the fringe in August, because that was that was a a few months away. Um, and there was a lot of kind of confidence that that would happen what were your thoughts yeah I suppose like because I'd moved to Glasgow I've done the Edinburgh Fringe for the past 10 years so for me this year was probably the first time that I wasn't planning on being there for the Fringe that was probably going to be some rehearsal time for text me when you get home and I was um not kind of going to actively avoid it um but I suppose the there was a lot of silence about it for a long time which was quite anxiety inducing for a lot of people who did have things planned to put on um Bard in the Botanics usually happens around um June July and sometimes the start of August overlapping into the air as well and for me for a long time I was like oh Bard and the Botanics will be okay because it's outdoors and um, so it'll, st it'll still be able to happen in some capacity but of course it wasn't able to happen it's not subsidized and um, so they rely fully on ticket sales and I think yeah they definitely made the right call because they wouldn't have been able to sell nearly the number of tickets that they need in order to make theatre mm. and without any government support. Yeah um I think that's something that uh, I think a lot of people as well don't realise about the arts is how badly funded it is at times and how difficult it can be to get funding. And uh, yeah. I, I do remember a few times during the Fringe when audiences came up to me and spoke to me and kind of assumed that I was being paid by the Fringe Society or by whatever Fringe organisation I was with. Um, when, when this did all happen, when things start to slowly change, what changes did you notice happening like? audiences dwindling or shows being cancelled beforehand before the whole 
event kicked off in March. Were there any signs you saw? Before everything officially closed down? Yeah, so kind of like January, February time. Was there anything that, yeah. that you kind of went, oh, that's odd? Looking back in hindsight, yes. Um, I remember I went, I went for an audition for something and that was maybe a week or two before everything started closing and um, before the government ordered them to as well I think um, it kind of gets lost a little bit in in memory that theatres actually close a couple of weeks before the government's told them to um, but there was an audition and everyone was kind of like that was just when people had started to kind of stop hugging and I saw someone I knew at the audition and it was like oh are we going to hug are we going to elbow bump and the theatre itself was really quiet as well and um, I think that was maybe the day that they pulled the show um, so yeah it was it happened very quickly I went down to um, Femfest in Brighton and I performed there that's the the last performance that I did before everything uh, kicked off and um, kind of on the the bus down I noticed some people kind of starting to to wear masks in London because London was a couple of weeks ahead of everywhere else and mm. um, before I, I changed over um, to get to Brighton and then on the way back from Brighton because I was there for maybe four four or five days um, a lot more people were wearing masks and there was that kind of trepidation. I was like, oh, I'm on a bus full of like so many people. This is a bit mm, dodgy. Yeah, I've I've done that exact coach journey before um, when I've had gigs down in Brighton and it's a very, very long, very, very enclosed um, journey overnight or sometimes you're undead, I don't know which one you went with, but it's-, it's... Oh, I went overnight, can't, yeah. hack the, can't hack a day full of coach journey. Oh God, no, but- oh, no. Uh, it's it's it is interesting isn't it like just thinking about that now like 10 11 12 hours in that type of enclosed environment is just it's slightly terrifying now like yeah. even a bus journey into um to the local hospital is like i don't like this <laughs> yeah it's like someone even sits like the row in front or a couple of rows in front it's like oh don't get too close yeah exactly it's like my my dislike of being too close to people um is just it's it's really an odd sensation an odd feeling now to kind of sit there and go you're you're not two meters away you're not wearing a mask you're looking in my direction don't look in my direction <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about something a little bit more positive now if we can because yeah. um, you mentioned that there were some things uh that you were able to carry on in some capacity um and you've definitely done things during lockdown because uh, I've seen you sharing a few things on social media. So tell us about what you've actually been able to do during lockdown. So I've done a lot of applying for things. Um, I'm sure everybody has. Um, I did try and kind of go into different industries as well, but I never kind of got anywhere with that. So I'm taking that as a sign from the universe that I'm in the right place. Um, so... I've done some online directing, so I've workshopped a couple of plays on Zoom. Um, the most recent being Jenny Lee, Tomorrow is a New Day, which is a story about Jenny Lee, who is a really fantastic politician 
Um, she was elected in 1929 before she was old enough to even vote as a woman um, at the age of 24. So um, that's a really great story. I've done, um, I recently assistant directed on uh, audio production as well. Um, it's Angela by Mark Ravenhill at the Lyceum. So that's going out, uh, is it 20, 28th, I think, of this month? Of March. Um, yes, I was like, this is March. Yes. <laughs> that's where we are. Sorry, <laughs> we never this coming week. <laughs> yeah, we never left March. It's always March somewhere. It's always March. Um, so yeah, I've done that. And in December, I actually managed to get back into a real rehearsal room again, which was just the best. Um, and that was for Text Me When You Get Home. So we had a really fantastic group of people in the rehearsal room. Um, we have Eve Nicholas, as our director and Megan Tyler, who is our dramaturg and doing the play text for it. Um, and we're all kind of co-writing it together. Um, and um, really fantastic team. Um, so we've been able to do that and I was commissioned to make a short film um, I just made it on my on my phone it was um, by On Fife and they were commissioning some artists who had lost work over lockdown to make a short autobiographical film so I ended up making a kind of Lord of the Rings parody of my life uh, so that's still available to watch this month um, from On Fife. So that's kind of what I've been what I've been up to. Um, my company was awarded uh, a place in the New Scottish Companies programme with the Air Gaiety, which has been great. Um, so hopefully we're going to have more projects on board uh, than just text me when you get home, which we're hoping to mount into a full production next summer. Um, and I've been part of the L20 artist attachment program at the Lyceum as well. So that's kind of everything that I've, I've been up to. I feel like social media has a precedence to make people look busier than they actually are. Mm -hmm. So like this past month, I've actually been really busy because I've been getting my mental health first aid qualification as well. Um, but as of now, kind of going forward, I don't have a lot in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, Angela by Mark Ravenhill, that's still to come out, but I've done all the work on that already. And um, so, yeah, I think it's it's next Friday, I think it comes out. So that'd be Friday, the 20, 28th of March, I think it would be. Yes. Um, we'll, that right. we'll make sure there's information on in the description and stuff to send it to. Um, I wanted to just talk about something that you, you kind of mentioned, because I, I know a few people who have directed who have done similar as well, but um talk us through directing online and distance and digital how that actually works and how that compares to being able to be in flesh space and do it well directing there's been two capacities that I've, I've directed in one is mostly to do with um kind of script development and the other is um to do with audio and um working in audio is a lot more similar to working on film or or tv in that um you don't kind of rehearse things chronologically um we have a read through and then we go straight in for takes and then it's all kind of put together afterwards um so my role as an assistant director was kind of blending 
directing with a bit of stage management almost mm -hmm. but online and doing lots of schedules and noting takes and um really focusing on on the voice as well because obviously working online there's not physically much that you can do and in audio people aren't going to be able to to tell what physically is going on so it's all about um trying to convey everything through this world of sound um, and the directing that I've done to do with script development is much more to do with flow and pace and actually Zoom is quite good for working on a on a development of a script and going through um, changes in different phases and working on making something better because rather than focusing on um, I mean, and the development that we've done, we've had sharings at the end of each week. And we've had sharings in previous versions of iterations of the script as well. So I've, I've done real life kind of scratch nights as well with iterations of, of the Jenny Lee script. Um, but with only having Zoom, it really lets you focus on, on the words and on the script and on the quality of that, rather than making a pretty stage picture for people to come and watch when it's time. So it's almost, I would definitely use Zoom for script development in the future as well, because I think it's actually pretty good for letting you focus on on the text. Um, but I wouldn't want to use Zoom for everything yeah. <laughs> when, we, when we can. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of kind of when we can and, and what we can do, um, imagine that that people have been right and it had only lasted a few weeks or a few months and lockdown was over by by summer and COVID had gone away. What do you reckon you'd be doing about now? Because I know that around this time of the year is and for some people things start to gear up. So what do you think your schedule would be like? I hope it would be busy. Um, so in terms of I think maybe around about this time I was supposed to be working on uh, an R&D stage of a children's show about light and, and colour. Um, it was kind of like science communication through theatre. Um, so I think that's maybe what I'd be doing, maybe something to do with text me when you get home and, and further developing the company. Um, but it's it's kind of a a life that you it's a life that we haven't kind of got to think of if that makes sense like mm -hmm. I'd kind of thought up until the end of 2020 and then I knew that I would probably be working in Bard on the summer again um this year and maybe have a couple of other things but working freelance it's very much a job to job hawk so i i usually work zero hour contracts so i work in theaters in front of house and i am also a tour guide as well um and before i was um a performer in bohemia and edinburgh so i was uh singing dancing on tables and things like that so all of that was kind of on the side and freelance was as much as i could get but it was still supported by the zero hours work, which actually kind of screwed me over a bit for any kind of government support or yeah. um, 
freelance things because the furlough that I'm getting is like 80% of half of what I would usually bring in um, and although I've managed to get some freelance work it's not it's absolutely not to the same extent and tour guiding is freelance as well so I've not had any income for that minus the the month or two over the summer that we were allowed to to do that again yeah that has become a very unfortunate and all too common thing because i i've been in the same situation i didn't get that either i know a few people we've spoken to on here didn't and something like three million self-employed people just completely missed um completely excluded from any government help and it was it was awful um so is there anything that we've actually experienced or done during lockdown i know you mentioned that you'd like to take forward um script development on zoom is a good thing to do is there anything else that you've kind of seen or experienced or or seen somebody else do that you thought oh, that's quite good that you'd like to see continue after we return to whatever normality is definitely accessibility um there's been a a culture before before the pandemic of even like things like university courses um and access to projects and discussions is that everything has had to happen in person so people who are maybe have caring responsibilities or who have physical disabilities they've not been able to to get out and actually see shows or be involved or access the same kind of opportunities that able-bodied people have been able to do or people with no caring responsibilities have been able to and um, so I think that that has to stay as well because it's really flagged how all along we were able to do this mm -hmm. it's not that hard to kind of point a camera and connect it to the internet so that people can still actually participate and um, if they're not physically able to be there in person um, and things like uh, interviews. Um, I know that the the theatre industry is very London centric, mm -hmm. and um, I know that a lot of people have thought it's it's really excellent that they can just zoom in to an interview or an audition and not actually have to spend hundreds of pounds on a train ticket just for the sake of maybe twenty minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. The the ability to to do so many of these things online and digitally um, is something that would be a shame to lose for a lot of people. I know it's not universally helpful to everyone. There's always going to be exceptions, obviously, um, but it has really opened up a lot. And I, it'd be nice. And again, this is this is one of the things that keeps coming back up in these discussions that the accessibility that has been created is on the one hand it's kind of annoying because it means it's always been there and people didn't want to do it but on the other hand it's been done so now we know it can be done and it mm. needs to be yeah. um with all of that in mind we've also got a roadmap now um how how much that is specifically stuck to is going to depend on all sorts of factors um infection rates hospital rates death rates vaccination levels, all of that is going to be a factor but when do you think we will actually start to to feel normal again? And at what point do you think we will be normal again? What's your predictions on that, if you have any? I'm not sure because it feels like I at one point had predictions, but it, it, 
at the current moment, it seems like I've almost don't believe that anything is going to happen or any rules are going to relax or um, people are allowed to gather until it actually happens. And mm-hmm. um, for example, the, the development that we did in December, I was kind of like not really anticipating it until it was the night before. And I was like, oh, this can actually go ahead. That's amazing. Um, so I'm kind of taking it as it, as it comes because I just don't like the the feeling of anticipation. Like I know that the 21st of June is a big date for a lot of people and they're like, oh, I can't wait to like go out clubbing on the 21st of June. And there's all these memes going around on the internet about it as well. And I'm like, I don't want to impress upon like that specific date in my head because if we get to that point and we're not like that I'll just be really sad and so I think I'm I'm really hoping that outdoor theatre can happen this summer again yeah and I know a lot of people that I've talked to have made kind of conservative estimates that theatres will allow to be open again in a kind of minimal socially distanced auditorium capacity um, by Christmas time. But I don't think we'll be back to normal realistically for like a couple of years, I don't think. Okay. Um, And I I think a lot of it's social attitudes as well, because people won't be comfortable necessarily just going into these crowded environments again without some kind of 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 things and obviously there's kind of there's variants in the virus and um not everyone can get vaccinated and there's like there's variables that will make it as long as this as this virus is around um we won't be able to go back to, to the way things were before okay okay um so that just kind of leaves us to say if you have any uh web links or any anywhere people can find you or more about you online now's your chance perfect um so if you want to have a look at any of my previous work or a bit more about me you can have a look at my website it's www.emmalynharley.com or if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, I am much more active on Instagram than Twitter and my handle is at Harlarius, like my my last name Harley, like the bike, Arius. Okay, it's a very technical way of spelling it. <laughs> we will make sure there's actually a link to that in the um, <laughs> physical description. Uh, <laughs> Emma, it's been great chatting to you. Um, do enjoy the rest of your day and the weekend coming up, and take care. Great, thanks. It's lovely chatting. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Arts vs. The Virus. Your host was Ash Price. The podcast was produced by Teresa Dua through Noisy Ghost Entertainment. Find The Arts vs. The Virus on Facebook. The music used was What Is Love by Kevin McLeod from acompatech.filmmusic.io forward slash song forward slash 5015 hyphen what hyphen is hyphen love used under a Creative Commons license.